This podcast does use some rude language and explores adult themes. You've been warned. Welcome to Don't Be a Fuckwit, both a self-help podcast for those who don't understand the widely accepted social norms and a therapy session for those who do understand but are surrounded by those who don't. Helping me navigate the world of fuckwits in this episode is comedian, reality TV star, broadcaster, runner, foodie, Hawks fan and Logie winner, Dilruka Jaya That was nearly one of the best intros. Nearly one of the best intros you fuck with. No, no, I was going to say, actor got dropped. actor, my God. We start together on Utopia. Logie winning performance according to the award. Yeah, well, I curse me for not saying actor in that. You're a great actor and we've acted together in two seasons. Two seasons. Of Utopia. What is it going to take before you recognise my acting chops? Have you done other acting? work aside from Utopia? Yeah, I've done some. I've never booked an audition, but I've always been... Oh, I, I did... One of my other cool ones was uh, opposite uh, Xena Warrior Princess, uh, Lucy Lawless. There was an Aussie show called uh, Murder... My Life is Murder. Oh, And I was yes. her doctor in, like, recurring episodes. Hang on. Who, who started that aside from Lucy uh, Lawless? Curry. One of the Currys. Um, uh, that's right. Uh, Stephen Curry. Steve, no, not Stephen. The other one. Uh, oh, Bernie Curry. No, one more. Oh, yeah, Bernard Curry. Bernard yes, Curry, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. From yes. Wentworth. Well, exactly. Yeah. So there was, there was a few and there was a lot of guest stars popping in and things like that, uh, like Magda and all of that. But, um, yeah, it was such a thrill to be able to, like, because I, I wasn't a huge Xena Warrior Princess fan, but it was such a zeitgeisty thing in yeah. Sri Lanka, like, huge. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing scenes with her, stuff, <laughs> stuffing lines. She's giving me tips on how to memorize lines. Yeah, great. <laughs> Boy, that's so cool, working but, with Lucy Lawless. So that was big in Sri Lanka. Yes, what were some of the other shows that we might have seen here that were massive in? Because you, you you never Friends. think about our oh, Friends of course. Friends is huge. Yeah. I mean, to date, you can't every day at least two episodes of Friends get aired on on some channel in Sri Lanka. Right, like, and it'll be two different seasons as well. They're like they're each channel is showing their own kind of state of it, and it's almost every day. I mean, I think weekend is just repeat of all the five episodes this week. I always it's think, so huge. I always think of the royalty checks. Like whenever I'm watching Seinfeld, oh. I think, how big a check is Jerry Seinfeld oh. getting every week for reruns? That uh, that's why I have respect for him of why he keeps working in stand up because he loves stand up so much that yeah. he's clearly doing it because he loves it. He's not doing it for the money. Doesn't need the fame anymore. How much mm. he's probably gone less in terms of fame. Yeah. So he's just doing it because he loves the idea of writing jokes. Because he loves it and he's very good at it. Well, Hughesy's another one, isn't he? I mean, Hughesy. The Seinfeld of Australia. Hughesy's <laughs> got more money than God, and it's like, but he loves stand up. Deal with yeah. airplane. <laughs> Food, mate. <laughs> Benny loves it. Yeah, he fucking loves stand up. And I, I've, I, I look at Husey as sort of a guiding light for maybe this is not the way I should go about things. Like in the sense, I, I've said this to him as well. Like I'm like learning from him because I am as addicted to stand up as he is. I reckon. Yeah. And I always got told oh, after about five years it starts fading off. But now I'm twelve years in and it has no sign of fading yeah. off yet, you know, and, and so learning that balance. Because he, you know, uh, he himself will admit it's his last, you know, his last vice. He's given up grog and anything else, and, yeah. you know, meat. He's now a vegan. His last vice is just unapologetic stand-up. It's the only fun thing left in his life, aside from, of course, the company of his beautiful wife and children. Yeah. Uh, but it's the only joy left in his life. I What's waned for me, when I first started doing stand-up, I loved every single aspect of the job. Yes. Travelling to gigs, I loved. Right. I loved the excitement of travelling to a gig. I loved travelling home from a gig and just thinking about it. Uh, everything, writing material, booking the gigs. Now... I pretty much only love being on stage. Yeah. And all right. that other shit I'm just so over. So it's those are the things that you're getting paid now to get to the gig. Ah uh, yes, yeah. You yeah, do yeah, the totally. gig for free. Hanging out with comics, I could do forever. Yep. And standing on stage doing stand up, I could do forever. Right. Every other thing associated with the business, right. I am over. Promotion. Promotion. Getting on radio, traveling, yep. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just have can't stand any of it. So that's why you need your big, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Your big Seinfeld type show, so uh, that you can just literally take your private jet, fly in. Yes. To how do you feel about writing though? Uh, uh, the, look, the, that, the writing kind of annoys me, to be honest. Mm. 
mm. that writing annoys me. I'm grateful for it afterwards yes. when I've got a good bit. Right. But the process of writing I find tedious and annoying. The other thing I didn't mention is that we're both former accountants as well. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that deserves a little bit of love mm. here. There's a few of us now. Uh, Seren. Do you Seren know? Jai Minor. Yeah, yes. He, well, do I know him? He's a, He and I started at KPMG at the same time. Oh, shit. And up, he right. had done like four gigs and I thought he was the coolest guy because he had done stand-up. Yeah. And I was like asking him all these questions and he had just done like raw and spleen. But I was like, that's the fucking best. I can't believe you actually got up and said these jokes. Mm. And then six months in, I got fired. He didn't. So I then went to him going, hey, I think I might have a crack at stand-up. Where do, you, where do I start? And he said, oh, the Comics Lounge, they do like a workshop on Tuesdays. Hey, go to great. that. Yeah. So I'd go to that on, you know, uh, and about a year later, I did my first gig. And after about 10 gigs in, so Suren would come to all the gigs and give me notes and stuff. Yeah. And then he started feeling formal of going, oh, shit, I haven't done this in four years or whatever. Fuck, I better pick it up again. So then he started doing stand-up as well. So, so we kind of inspired each other to do stand-up in a way. I, lo I love it. And you actually worked as an accountant too, yeah. as did uh, Seren. Did Naz, Naz work as an accountant? Well, he worked at PwC, I think, as in the legal side of things, I believe. But still, I think he was com, com law was his degree with accounting and mm. law. So, oh, yeah, there's, a, there's quite a few, bizarrely, Sri Lankan heritage accountants at big four firms who ended up doing stand-up. <laughs> and then there's me. Uh, all right, let's get stuck into it. Uh, Delrook, tell me, have you uh, bumped into many fuckwits yourself in recent times? Well, the lifestyle of stand-up comedy means yes. you're exposed to new groups constantly. Yes. Whether it's audiences, whether it's when you're flying, hotels, like you're in a, in a you know, uh, rolling dose of fucking fuckwits, right? <laughs> so my whole thing is I can't control the fuckwits out there. Because they come in all shapes and sizes, all colors. Like, mm. fuck with see no race. <laughs> They're across the board, you if, know? I mean, you're, uh, you grew up in Sri Lanka. Uh -huh. If you had to say, per capita, who, who wins out of Sri Lanka and Australia? I don't think I can say without getting cancelled either way. <laughs> no matter what I okay, pick. Fair, fair no enough. matter what I pick. But what I've realized is my approach to fuck with is... How do I not let them be the thermostat for my mood? I don't want their behavior to impact yes, my yeah, life yeah. too significantly, right? Obviously, I'm only human. It's going to have an impact. And what I've found beneficial is reframing their story and I tell myself a fake story about them. So classic example, two okay. weeks ago, uh, I was in Sydney, a mate of mine, we were driving to uh, for lunch and this car just cut him off really aggressively, yeah. terrible. Yeah. And he was like, fucking hell, like, you know, look at this fuckwit. Probably said fuckwit, yes. right? Yeah. And I said, interesting you say that because my brain quickly went to, oh, he's probably, maybe it's a dude whose wife is about to give birth and, uh, the, the, you know, he's really scared. Or maybe some lady found out her, her dad's yeah. dying and she's rushing to his aid or yes. whatever. Because regardless of the truth, that story helps me feel better about what just happened. Yes, it's an unreasonable behavior mm. and it's dangerous and it's all the wrong thing, sure. But if you put it in the mindset of someone who is scared about a loved one's health and safety, you go, yeah, fair enough, whatever. You do what you need to do. I didn't die from it. I'm okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a very, very for your mental health, that's a great <laughs> Absolutely, because it's always yeah. going to happen. And then, then we kind of, you know, caught up to them, unfortunately. And so it was just two 21-year-old girls. I'm like, you fucking, <laughs> you fuck what? <laughs> but then you but got angry. I got angry because I'm like, I don't, I can't, they seem pretty chill. They yeah. don't seem like they were in a hurry at all. They were just being assholes and entitled. Yeah, so yeah. try not to then finish the story in real time. Like, let them have that story. <laughs> yep. But it also sometimes I use it. I have this real soft spot, maybe because my, my mom and stuff used to sell food from our house. And like, small, I have a real soft spot for, you know, mom and pop entrepreneurs, <laughs> yes. right? And whenever I see something not going well, I feel really sad. Like for me, um, like markets are a nightmare because it's all these well-intentioned, you know, mom and pops, uh, you know, young people trying their arts and craft out. And if there's no one buying shit, it just breaks my heart oh, for some yes. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to the Vic markets and there was uh, my partner and I, you know, stood in line getting like chili mussels or something from this one place. But right next door was this dude selling, I can't even remember what he was selling, maybe pies, but mm. it was just no one. 
restaurant and we were waiting for like half an hour till our food came but there's no one attending him yeah. and he looks so depressed yeah. so I said to my girlfriend I'm like I can't deal with how sad he looks so I'm just gonna assume he's either a murderer or a pedophile <laughs> because and that that way whatever this is karma pain like just you oh, know no. and well, then the, poor guy the poor not guy. only does he have no one in his shop the bloke over there thinks he's a pedophile I know this is where it backfires you don't look at him like angry going I'm gonna fuck you up you you sick bastard no you just look away going fuck it he's, he's probably a terrible person and he this is the least of his deserving things to happen okay. to him I'm not as I'm not I'm not as on board with that narrative as I was with the other narrative. But I felt so sad for him. I don't want to feel sad for him anymore. I got to do whatever I can so to make turn, myself feel better. You turn him into a pedo. Because <laughs> that now I don't care about his sales. Now I wish he was getting caught. Oh, I feel te- you know I'm the same when I walk down the street and you see restaurant full, restaurant oh. full, restaurant full, then restaurant oh. empty with like literally no one in it. Yeah, I'm like, why can't? Some of you guys I, come in here. We spoke about Seinfeld before. I had my Seinfeld moment where I saw this restaurant, Indian restaurant, uh, down on Victoria Street near, um, in North Melbourne. Yep. Always empty. I thought one day I'm going to go in and support them. And I go in, get whatever, like Vindaloo or something like that. And the guy who took my, the lady who took my order, first husband and wife, husband goes in the kitchen, she goes in with him, sure. comes out from the fridge, you know, where you have all the drinks and yeah, all that. Yeah. She goes to that fridge, pulls out a Patak's Vindaloo jar sauce. And she goes into the kitchen with it. I'm like, why am I paying you $20 to put that sauce on a piece of beef that you had in the back there? Fuck, no wonder you're not getting any customers. And if you're going to do it, hide the fridge. I think we just You fuckwit. <laughs> well said. I think we just worked out what that problem is. That joint. Hey, let's have a uh, look at a couple of uh, fuckwits in the news this week. Yeah. Did you see the vision of the zookeeper in Jamaica? No. He, oh, it, was it was like playing something with a finger? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lion's cage, but it was like a sort of a wire mesh uh-huh. on the cage. And there's, it's a very small cage, by the way. I did not like seeing the lion in this mm. tiny cage. And the zookeeper was kind of banging it with his hand. And apparently they do that so the lions roar for the people who are watching. So people oh, are filming it's it. It's pretty harsh. It's getting and worse and And then he's worse. putting his hand through the mesh fence and then the lion just grabs a finger yeah. and starts pulling on it. And this is all I bet f- the zookeeper didn't fart then. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you think it normally would. He was pulling back, right? Yeah. And there's people filming, of course, because they're all tourists and they're all filming, waiting for the lion to roar. So they're filming this happen. So the vision's amazing. But I was – so he's pulling his hand and the lion's pulling back the other way. And it honestly looks so much like the kind of interaction I've had with one of our cats at home about a thousand times. Right. That lion is playing and having a ball. Right. In that moment. Yes. And this guy's pulling. Anyway, the lion, the bloke, dude gets released and he flies back, but the lion has the bloke's finger. <laughs> In its mouth. Which finger? Uh, it's either the, the middle or the point. I think it might be the middle finger. Yeah, sure. Actually, the middle or the ring finger, I think. Right. Uh, or well, ring finger, you could almost, if you're going to lose one, it's probably the pinky or the, the ring finger, right? Because there's so much more happening, like even mm. chopsticks. It's normally married blokes who want to lose the ring finger. It's <laughs> rare. That- <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like practically, you know, spoons. Oh, yeah. Index and thumb are your primaries. Yeah, you need you to know? keep those. Middle finger for if you run into a fuckwit. You need that. <laughs> yeah, 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 But yeah. otherwise, yeah, I feel like these three are the main – I mean, you want all five. I do. I'd take a sixth if there was an offer. <laughs> oh, oh, would you? Well, why wouldn't you? Extra Wait, grip. It's a tough one to explain, though. Think about hey, – yeah. Have you got six fingers? Ah, uh, yeah, this Mate, one. Mate, if you're doing rounds at the bar, like bringing the pots back, you know, a six finger on each hand would be handy. I mean, from the age of three, he was excellent at counting to 11. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this zookeeper uh, was a fuckwit – and lost his finger for it. And uh, I also want to mention, we had the election on the uh, weekend. I'm not sure when this pot will be going out, but the Australian election was on the weekend. Uh, Craig Kelly, MP for the Palmer United Party, mm. which won no seats in the Senate despite yeah. spending God million. knows how many millions on advertising. This is Craig Kelly's post after the election. Although we may have failed and our faces are now marred with the dust and the sweat and the blood from the battle, we did so while daring greatly, all in the name of freedom. <laughs> Oh, I love he's how, using the quote from Theodore Roosevelt. The, I, lo- the, the, I love, the yeah, man yeah. in the arena. Yeah, I love how these guys feel like they're the arbiters, the talisman for freedom. Mm. 
Uh, we fought not for power or position, which is bullshit. Not for virtue signaling or self-indulgence, which is also bullshit, nor for what is fashionable. We fought not because it was easy. I mean, we fought because we are the sons and daughters of the Anzacs. Now, I mean, there are a number of ways you can uh, disrespect the legend of the Anzacs, and that's one of them. Right, <laughs> right up there. Yeah. What a what a fuck with. So he was <laughs> doing it for the Anzacs. Well, this is embarrassing because I clearly voted in that Australian <laughs> Bad luck, Dill. Oh man, you missed out this time. Um, moving on to sport. Quick question for you: What's wrong with tennis players? Now, the reason I ask this question this week. At the French Open, and it's only a few days in, we've seen Stan Varenka, the Swiss uh, tennis player, had a complete meltdown because his water was too cold uh-huh. and he said he wants normal temperature water. Alex uh, Dimonor, the Australian, had a massive blow-up at the crowd for being too loud and he also, in his blow-up, said the crowd, members of the crowd were making eye contact with him. <laughs> okay. You're not Madonna, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And uh, Rublev, the Russian... Uh, got annoyed, hit a ball into the uh, umpire's stand and it bounced back and nearly hit a court sweeper in the head. What is oh. – wh- why are tennis players such fuckwits? Well, solo sport, right? It's the same problem our stand-up comedians have. It's that you forget mm. that there is a whole other world outside of your own head and everyone's just saying, you're great, you're wonderful, and you all of a sudden think you're entitled to that type of uh, adulation you know even fucking Roman emperors had people whispering in there he's saying you're only human you're only human but tennis players don't have that right I mean if you read Agassiz's book I'm sure you have one of the great all time great biographies um you know, he talks about he knew the weight of his bag and if one, like a pair of socks wasn't in it, he was like, it's off, There's not something's not right. So they yeah. become obsessive and it's so solo that, you know, and it gets re- that behaviour gets rewarded, that's why. It didn't um, get checked. But uh, it does get rewarded. Yes, the Ash Barty's are few and far between on, yes. the, on the tennis circuit. Because she plays team sports sometimes. Well, Ash Barty, <laughs> here's, here's a fun game for you. And it would have been a fun game for you three years ago when she was still making lots of speeches. Yeah. She never says the word I. She only ah, ever says we. Right. We are really proud of this win. She, We've worked really hard. It's all, she really bad. struggles going to the opto- optometrist because <laughs> optometrist. optometrist. Because yeah. like, How are your wees going, Ash? <laughs> <laughs> My right wee has been a little I bit sore. come to the urologist. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, let's move on to fuck with of the week. Oh, here we go. Uh, this week it goes to, uh, this is a slightly dark topic, but I just couldn't look any other way. It was shocking school shooting in Texas oh. this week. And Ted Cruz, the senator, who is our fuckwit of the week, yeah. when asked about it, he said the answer, these are his answers, Ted Cruz, armed officers in schools, all right, extra funding for bulletproof windows and bulletproof glass in schools, um, and also he wants schools reconfigured. It's like an attack on architecture, so there's only one entrance in and out. Oh, that's a great one for fire, <laughs> fire safety, isn't it, Ted Cruz? You fucking – are you kidding me? Wow. I mean it's, – It's really weird in Australia because we – to us, it's just so mental, the situation, and mm. the solution is so simple. But in America, especially in Texas, try taking their guns off them. Fuck. Not, ev- not even something like this. Makes them go. It's, oh, it's, right. it's so no, heartbreaking. It's, it's so heartbreaking. What's the stat? Something like 27 school shootings since 2022? I well, we are, we're here, Dill, on the 26th. We could, we're recording this on the 26th of May. There have been 44 mass shootings in America in May. 44. Yeah. And we're on the 26th of May. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So uh, the, the stat that sh- shocked me was there were more kids killed at schools uh, than cops doing their job. Oh, it's uh, it's a cre- not that cops should die on the job, but it, when you when you hold those stats against each other, mm. that's a scary thing. That there are more kids who died at school yeah. than cops died on the job. It's because uh, you think being a cop is kind of a dangerous job. Yeah, you, you assume. wouldn't think going to school that's, is a that's dangerous. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. A dangerous job. Anyway, Ted Cruz, you are our fuckwit of the yeah, week. I mean, Ted Cruz could win this prize every week. There's not many bigger hunts on the face of the earth. <laughs> 
than Ted Cruz. <laughs> I do love you have a uh, to, to, to change topic, but uh, uh, the um, warning at the top of the show about language, and yet <laughs> call the show fuckwits. Don't be a fuckwit. Who is clicking on that and not realizing there's going to be salty language? Hang on, where was the clue? <laughs> yes. And now, fuckwits in history. How about this one, Dill? Going back to 1999, NASA lost a $125 million Mars orbiter because a Lockheed Martin engineer used English units of measurement while NASA used the more conventional metric system. Oh, my God. So they were measuring. So the orbiter, it went all the way to Mars. No one knew this had happened. And it was lowering to land on the surface of Mars, but they'd measured the distance <clears throat> as it entered Mars's orbit. The distance was being measured in kilometres. It should have been measured in miles. So as it was going down, it ended up getting too low and it couldn't get the right combustion happening and then it couldn't land and they just lost the orbiter. $125 million because some dude didn't check miles v kilometres. <laughs> That is a shitty day in the office. Imagine being that bloke as it's coming into land and you're looking at it going, are they measuring? Why are they doing kilometers? It's meant to be. Oh, oh, me- oh, oh Oh, no. I was measuring in stones. <laughs> <laughs> would you, if you were that guy, would you sit there and ride it out or would you just sneak out to the car park, jump in your car and just drive away? How many? How much? 125 million thruppence or dollars? Which 125 million US dollars. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's, that's got to hurt. I mean, that's an end of a job, isn't it? Yeah, it says the uh, 286 days it took to get there. So a whole team of people are watching this thing travel there for 286 days. And the probe fired its engine on September 23 to push itself into orbit. The engine fired, but the spacecraft came within 60 kilometres of the planet, about 100 kilometres closer than planned and about 25 kilometres beneath the level at which it could function properly. And they lost the orbiter, $125 million worth. Oh Imagine the disappointment. In, this is the excitement of sending shit to Mars. I know, but also, like, surely it gets cross-referenced. Someone must have checked their workings. You, 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 you think, you what? Thought? Sending something to Mars, you don't go, yeah, yeah, uh, oh, Gary did it. Yeah, he's on top yeah, of his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gary never gets this stuff wrong. No, no. It'll be fine. Uh, so congratulations to the Lockheed Martin engineer. You are our fuckwit in history. It's time for a deep dive into fuckwits. This week's fuckwit deep dive topic is air travel. Dill, you're a man who flies a lot. Mm. Is it? Does air travel annoy you yet or are you still kind of... Do you still get excited by it? I think I'm still at the phase of getting excited by yeah. it. And I think having two years off flying oh, yeah, has yeah. definitely reignited that love. I, um, I, It was always such a special occasion to fly, maybe once a year back in the day. In yeah. Growing up in Sri Lanka, my dad worked overseas, so we'd do the one flight. So oh, it was always okay. a thrill. And, you know, you get excited about getting a coloring book and things like that. Yes, you know, yes. And then hopefully no one's blowing smoke in your face <laughs> behind you. That was the time I grew up in. But now... I think I still love it because I have my own little rituals. It's like forced shutdown time. Yeah. I don't have to reply to emails or anything like that. So I, I like have my puzzles like my, you know, Sudoku or Crypto Crossword yes. or whatever. And I listen to a podcast and ah, uh, it's I love it. And away you go. And you're always traveling first class, of course. Of course. Yeah, the, the cryptic crossword over there is much better. <laughs> Plenty of leg room up there. Well, to talk us through the world of flying because I feel like – in each of these podcasts I've done so far, and I've asked people to give examples of fuckwit behaviour, people always reference flying, and there's something about flying that just can bring out the fuckwit in people. Mm. So our very special expert guest on this topic is a, until very recently, a flight attendant, uh, both international and domestic over the years. Uh, and she is joining us all the way from Western Australia. Casey, welcome to the pod. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. And Casey, just to get your credentials on the table for us, and you don't have to tell us which airlines you worked for, but just give us a sense of how long uh, you were a flight attendant for. 
Yeah, sure. So I was cabin crew for the last six years and I have flown for both the low-cost carrier and the premium airline with Australia. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're, we're talking Jetstar and Qantas. <laughs> or Tiger? Is there a Tiger in there, Casey? Potentially. <laughs> Can or cannot confirm. Yes, um, sure, sure, sure. sure. I'm going to keep guessing. Please feel free to ignore me. <laughs> well, I guess you can say I got around a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Casey, you've six years as cabin crew. Mm. You would have come across some right fuckwits in your time. Let's, before we go to sort of specific examples from you, Dylan and I will just run a few questions past you to try and get a definitive word or at least some guidance on a few things uh, on a plane. Let's start with the most obvious one, putting the seat back. What are the rules around putting your seat back? Because my personal rule is that in Australia, unless you're flying from Perth to Cairns, there is no circumstance (laughs) under which you can put your seat back. (laughs) Look, I I can agree with that. If there was to be a specific rule or something like that, I guess I'd say do not put your seat back until the meal service is done and everybody's uh-huh. finished because you do not want to recline your seat and spill that glass of red wine all over someone's poor, beautiful white shirt and have them rip you to shreds. Oh, and you've seen that happen? Absolutely. I've wow. seen two grown men just absolutely flip it at each other and it gets to the point where you kind of just stand back and go, all right, I'm going to let them sort it out and if I really need to, then I'll get some help. (laughs) And what's the guidelines there for a flight attendant in terms of if it looks like it's escalating into a a punch-on or whatever, what are you guys told as a team? What's your responsibility? Because it's obviously a cramped area and the the fear in everyone is escalating. It's at fever pitch. What is your job as the person who's there to relax the majority of passengers? Well, our first thing is to jump in, try and diffuse the situation, you know, separate if Uh possible. Like, it is a confined space, but most of the time we'll have seats available somewhere. And I'm not saying you're going to get a free pass into business. No. (laughs) Wow, that does sound like a good deal. I know. Um, No, please don't start flights to try and get there because it won't happen. Um, But we will try and diffuse, move the passengers, and if it does start to escalate further and it looks like we're getting absolutely nowhere, um, we'll try and get able-bodied passengers involved if it's getting that physical. Wow, Um, really? It's like yeah, instead of like getting on the thing and see, is there a doctor in here? Is like, is there a MMA <laughs> is, fighter in is there here? A martial arts expert yeah. on the plane? Is there a bouncer on board? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you guys ever been seated in the exit row? Yeah, I'm flying yes. on it tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, just a heads up. You would be an able-bodied passenger. So not only if the plane right. happens to have an issue, we go and decide to land on water. Um, we will also ask you to help us if there is a punch on. Interesting. <laughs> I did that, not know that. So you that doesn't come up when you get that no. little briefing no, you in don't. the middle of the plane. Well <laughs> it is are you willing and able to assist? In a in an <laughs> oh, emergency situation. They got you covered there, man. So does that include if someone shits their pants, it's an emergency situation. <laughs> Am I willing um, and able to try and clean up that asshole? Literally. Look, I'm not willing and able to assist that either, but I oh, do really? have to. And fortunately for you, you won't be forced to. <laughs> right. Okay. So it- on, on that though, sorry, Limbs. Uh, on that, Casey, my partner saw a uh, situation where uh, not only did someone have an accident, this is before takeoff, they were obviously they got off the plane and they yeah. s- changed the entire seat, literally unbolted it, got rid of the seat really? and brought a new one in. <laughs> have you ever seen that happen? I absolutely have. And wow. the good thing with most of the seats is the seat cushions are removable or, as you say, <laughs> it sounds like the frame was removed, which I have never seen. Maybe, I've sorry, seen sorry, I may, I may have got that wrong. Sorry, it might have been just the cushions. Sorry. That's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a shit yourself if you ruin the frame. <laughs> Of the chair as well. It's like steel beams <laughs> got melted wow. by that's, by jet fuel. That's some toxic gear <laughs> you got going on there. So, so ba- the, but the very basic rule 
to avoid being a fuckwit, Casey, is you do not, at a very minimum, you do not put your seat back until the meal service has been completed on the plane. Please and thank you. Yeah, right. Okay, because Especially if it's like an overnight flight, Liam, like say a red eye or something. I think it's built into the system that you're going to sleep on that flight. It's, you're not changing my rules, yeah. but I get it. Yes, some yes. Your rules is no, no chance. <laughs> no, my, no, I'm like, no, no seats are back. I get it. International flight, of course. But again, on an international flight, you wait till the meal <laughs> service is done, sure. right? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Exactly. And if it's Melbourne to Sydney, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, seriously. Okay. Armrests. Now. The person sitting in the middle of a row of three. Would you agree, Casey, <laughs> that they have exclusive access to the armrest on their left and the armrest on their right because the people at the ends are on the superior seats? Look, from my experience, um, we had the beauty of using staff travel. And with this, we get a seat on the aircraft wherever we're wanting to go as long as it's available. And right. most of the time, these seats will be middle seats. So right. I would love to say that, yes, the middle seat person would be entitled to the use of both armrests. Mm. <laughs> so I think I would agree with that as well yeah. because there is that – Ability for the window seat person to lean into the window, yes. and when service is done, you can lean outside onto the aisle. So yep. middle seat gets priority because, and I choose not to sit in the middle because of my, you know, massive frame because I'm a unit. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, there's but, nothing worse yeah. than when you've got because I tend to get the window seat now. Yeah. And then person sits on the aisle and then you're just watching passengers come on yeah. to see who is going to sit in between us. And then it's some yeah. giant oh. unit and you're like, no. <laughs> that was once out three of us. All three of us were like, this is bad planning <laughs> by all three of us. What about you, Leems? Do you prefer window over aisle? Any oh, particular reason other than the view? I'm a window guy just because it helps me keep to myself. And also, Casey... I'm kind of got kind of broad shoulders and I'll tend to lean out away from the person in the uh-huh. middle seat and I just keep bumping into staff. You would yes. be bumping into shoulders and legs all the time, I would have thought. Oh, absolutely. Um, majority of the time, I honestly believe it's on purpose. It happens that often. Yeah. The, and does anyone ever – is anyone ever arsy about it? Like do they go, oh, stop banging into me or – do you mind or any of that kind of rubbish? Oh, uh, no. If they hit me, not much is said. Maybe I'll give an apology and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But yep. let me tell you, if I am to hit anyone or if I accidentally hit someone's knee with my cart, and mind you, like, you should think of your seat as a roller coaster. Arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Oh, yeah, okay, right. right. Yeah. If I somehow even just give a little, like, a ding into your knee, that person will act like they're dying. Uh-huh. They there are a lot of soccer players that are playing on these planes. <laughs> okay, that's, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Family guy, when Peter Griffin hits his knee and he's like, <laughs> I love it. Good reference. Casey, have you worked in different um, uh, areas of the plane? Like, have you done business, first class, economy? And is there a noticeable difference between the fuckwittery that happens at the mm. two ends of the plane? Because I can assume every there's fuckwits everywhere. But the type yeah. of fuckwittery changes depending on which class you're sitting in. Yes, 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 yes. There is a big difference. For when I worked... With the premium carrier, um, which we may or may not know. Yes. (laughs) Business, most of the time, the passengers that you have are absolutely beautiful, really well behaved. Um, You can occasionally get that fuckwit, but it's very rare. In economy, different story, you'll get many more fuckwits, but generally people are also quite nice. Yeah. But the place where I had the most fuckwits was probably when I flew low cost because it's all economy, right. and the the flight that would have the most, like, notorious for having this behaviour was probably the Perth Bali run. Of course. Oh. I was going to – mate, honestly, oh, I swear yes. on my mum's life, even before you said it, I was going to guess Perth to Bali. That has to be. Yeah. So what sort of – just give us a few examples of the type of rancid <laughs> behaviour you get from these idiots on the Perth to Bali run. 
Well, you'll be boarding the aircraft and you'll immediately know what type of day you're in for when you see all the Bintang shirts and yeah. the... <laughs> The, but then, to be um, fair, that's just WA, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. Living here now, it has um, definitely supported that. The stereotype, yeah, yeah. of course. My, fa- my partner's family is from there, so I know very much. So, in fact, so, I'm off to Bali in two months <laughs> with the family. Don't forget your Bintang singlet. So, right, I've got it. So, number one, you see the Bintang singlets getting on the plane. What, what else? What else? You'd have the um, the sunnies that are on the head. You'd see right. the the Oakleys. <laughs> the yeah. specific haircuts. There are some of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things which is good because this can be stopped at the gate. I'm not sure how aware you guys are, but it's actually against the law for us to carry any person who is. To- like physically seem to be under the influence. Right. Um, And a lot of people, you know, you get very excited for your holiday, you're ready to go, it's going to be a great time, but you have a few too many beers at the airport Uh and if you come on board being like, whoa, this is going to be a great time and you smell like the Carlton Draft or the VB, you're not going to get on. Yeah, especially I suppose behavior comes into play, and I'm speaking from mm. personal experience. There has been – so I've been sober six years now, but before that there was definitely – I gave it a fair nudge, and there was one particular flight at 6 a.m. where <laughs> I, I hadn't slept. I'd kept going overnight, yeah. and I went straight to the airport, and I was too drunk to get the the, la- the bag tag through the <laughs> the thing, that the sticker. I just kept missing it. Yeah. And so a flight attendant – or some one of the attendant, attendants there at the baggage area <laughs> – helped me with it and my next memory was on the plane so i blacked out in between oh my god but wow. I obviously still got lit on and i think it's because i'm very scared of authority and as soon as yeah. i see a uniform i'm like i'm i, I played straight so you would have been t- become really timid very when, uh... timid even though i'm blackout at this point and i have no memory of it yeah um, my assumption is i just sat there pre- trying to pretend like i'm fine yeah uh, because i was scared about you know getting kicked off the plane or whatever I, well, so, how star to you? That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of what sort of wild drunken behaviour have you seen on a plane? I've had passengers stripping. Whoa! All right, let's yeah. just pause right there. Give well, us a paint a better picture here. Um, this specific time was a gentleman with um, you know, maybe a little bit of a beer belly, deciding to give everyone a Dad show. Um, yeah, and. You know, our tickets aren't advertised. You get dinner and a show. So that was quite the treat for everyone, I think. Right, right, right. Um, but it was a red-eye flight. We were doing the Perth to well, Bali. We're about to see one. Right? <laughs> yeah. We um, just finished the meal service, about to come out with the rubbish carts, and this gentleman decided, "Woo! I am living my best life. This is a party airbus, <laughs> right. and I am just going to start playing my phone at, as loud as it could, and I believe it was... Um, Pony by Genuine. Oh, oh nice no, one. Good uh, selection. Oh, that's, if we're going to take your clothes off, that's yeah. the song to do it to. Yeah, yeah. you don't do it to uh, Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. That I actually probably would have clapped to. Um, <laughs> so how far into the strip did you have to – did they get to? Uh, they were just about to – they got to their jocks by the time wow. that we got them. That's a good And effort. it was very much a, excuse me, sir, I'll just need you to come to the back deli with me. You know, um, we might need to get some clothing back on you. You're mm. missing a few pieces. And mm. it was all, oh, it's okay, love. It's all good. And then he just tried to, you know, give me some love. And oh, no. And oh, no. All over and, yeah, you Does can, that person um, get arrested now then? This is less funny now after, after we got to that. <laughs> Do they go towards getting like uh, restrained or anything like that? No, no, he was super lovely and he kind of came to when he got into the galley and we gave him a little bit of a chat mm-hmm. and he was actually well behaved for the rest of the flight but we did need to warn him if you do anything like that again and may have some barley federal police meeting you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this was, yeah, this was on the way to Bali, of course. Yes. Uh, how, oh no, I imagine you've had to cut people off before from alcohol what are some of the reactions you get from people when you cut them off from uh, the booze? 
It can go one way or the other. There's no in-between. It's either, oh, yes, I understand completely, or they will openly turn around and be like, you're a fucking bitch. I can't believe you're stopping me. And they will make the whole cabin aware of what you're trying to do. And they'll be like, this flight attendant is treating me like a... (laughs) <laughs> a oh. horrible human being. I can't believe you're doing this. They'll even try and whip out the camera. Yeah. Oh, God. Are you grateful for the uh, camera these days or is it a hindrance? Because well, on the one hand, if mm. the camera's out, means you can always corrupt because you're more often than not the sober one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to pass this person. I suspect all the time. Well, <laughs> so, you know, like to I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, be spot on. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, so, if I was able to have a drink on a flight... I probably would have been tipsy a lot of the time, but yeah. unfortunately, yeah. that is not allowed. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, but yeah. So exactly, the camera though being there is that helpful to go see? I'm I'm doing my bit here. It depends on the situation for sure. If it's an unruly passenger or something that may need evidence, yes. If it was to be passed on to say the feds or anything like Veronica's. that, yes, that can help out. Yeah, um, but. For example, I've had a time where <laughs> I've had a time where we've had a medical situation and we're giving CPR on board, wow. trying to save someone's wow. life. Yeah. And as I'm running with the defibrillator to give this to my team, I had a passenger grab me and go, "Excuse me, I'm still waiting on my hot meal." Oh, oh no. That's... You can picture the attitude that I gave in this oh situation. Oh my god, and, and justifiably like... so. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever had a passenger die? Yes, yes, I have. Unfortunately, it wasn't on board an aircraft, but I did lose someone um, that was travelling with their children to um, the Gold Coast for a holiday, and they didn't make it through the corridor. Um, yeah, we lost them there, which was very unfortunate. Oh so do you mean the, in the Aero Bridge? Yeah, in the Aero Bridge. They um, unfortunately had a heart attack and we weren't able to save them at this time. God, that would have been very mm. stressful. Because yeah. I, I know I've been on flights before. They said, we get passengers sick, we're going to have to divert. And it's amazing the attitude of the passengers are like, the attitude isn't, Oh my god! I hope that passenger's okay. Yeah. The attitude is, oh great! This is going to add what? How many hours to my? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, and in the case of this person complaining about not receiving their hot meal, and I turned around and said, "I have other things to worry about right now. I'll be back with you as soon as I can." They arced up, grabbed out their phone, and went, "This flight attendant isn't serving <gasps> me. I have paid for oh, this god. ticket. Oh my god!" And that's probably the case where I don't want the phone out because even though I will try and hold myself back, sometimes it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, of course. You're (laughs) only human and you're, you know. Uh, Oh, man, it'd be hard not to grab that phone and throw it. (laughs) Jam it right up his ass is what you would. uh... Uh, The amount of times I would have loved to have done that. (laughs) I. Yeah, look. (laughs) so, So these few things are clearly annoying. And these things are extreme. Are there are there sort of day to day things that passengers do pretty much on every flight? And they, these might be just tiny things, but are there annoying <laughs> tiny things that happen on every flight? And to perhaps get you started, I'm going to ask you a question. I've been desperate to ask a flight attendant for years. Oh, you know, please, far away. When you're doing the safety briefing, is yep. it rude of me as a passenger? To be just sitting there on my phone. Great question. Or looking away. Now, I know it's rude to be talking to the person next to me, or I feel like that's rude. What's your, what's your attitude to the attention people pay during the safety briefing? That is a great question. And look, when we give our safety briefings, one of the first things we say is, may I have your attention, please? And if you're not willing to give me your full undivided attention, just like I will give mine to you whenever you ask me something, I will be so salty. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's good get to your, know. Your phone's out, get off your phone because the information we're giving you is if we were to have an emergency, if we, you know, mm. needed to have an emergency landing on land or water and we needed your assistance, 
we're probably not going to be able to help you at the overwinds because we're worrying about our own exits and our own doors. So we need you to pay attention yeah. and be able to do it without us. Okay, but so Casey, what about – sorry, like, I, you know, I don't want to whip out my Qantas points and show you how often I fly. <laughs> but I don't want to flex that way. But I could recite that thing, uh, you know – by heart at this point, you know, especially if it's the freaking Qantas, I can tell you all the stats about when the first business class flight happened and all those sorts of shit. Oh, yeah, that's the new briefing. Yeah, yeah. but uh, which, by the way, I think is great. They've given made it a bit more, in, like, yeah. interesting to kind of pay attention to, and I think that's well done. So let's just say it's one of those situations where I've heard the briefing, and I know they say even if you fly regularly, uh, you know, each plane is different or whatever, and I get that, but... Most often than not, it's the same. So, I'm, again, I, I'm as someone who does pay attention, I'm just giving a counterpoint for the sake of it. Yeah. I do pay attention, but I always think, oh, but I know this. I'm just doing it because as a performer myself, I love an attentive <laughs> audience, so I'm giving that – I'm paying the favor in return. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think when it comes to the safety demonstration, um, the one with the whole PA and telling you, like, how the seatbelt is used – Obviously, a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to that. So I'll give credit. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you do what you do. Um, but if we're doing, say, an overwind briefing and giving you instructions on how to open our exit and, oh, you know, the arrows to follow on the wing, if you're not paying attention, you're a fuckwit. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is good. that's good advice. I had once, Casey, and this has only ever happened once, and I've sat in the emergency <laughs> exits a lot, the flight attendant came back and tested us. Oh. The flight attendant came back and said, hey, just by the way, what do you do if you see fire out there? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Send out the women and children first. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Pull out a snag and cook on it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, I, I had this op- opposite where the flight attendant forgot. Once she's like, oh, there's something I've forgotten. And I said, hearing aids and glasses. And she's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, if you're wearing hearing aids and glasses, please have him for take on and landing. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for helping. So what are some of the other little annoying things that passengers do? Uh, the little annoying things. Well, I imagine okay. I imagine there's stuff – sorry to jump in there, Casey. I imagine there's stuff around uh, your uh, cabin baggage as well. Because I see people walking on the planes, I swear, with nearly suitcases. And I'm like, that is not carry-on luggage. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I am not getting paid to injure myself or put your luggage up for you. If you cannot put it in the locker or underneath the seat, I will gladly take it off the aircraft and put it on the next flight. So sort out your baggage. It is not my problem. Otherwise, she's off. And if you're not happy with that, you can get off too. (laughs) Right. So follow the hand luggage rules. How has... Your, your ability to be patient is obviously quite significant as a flight attendant. How does that affect your personal life? Do you come back with going, my patience muscle is so weak <laughs> that I am going to let shit fly? Um, well, I'd say because in the last few years I've been doing international flights. On landing day, when I have just finished a 14-hour flight and I'm going home, if my partner or anyone turns around and gives me a stupid question, my patience is gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have, I have one last question, Limbs, uh, yeah. which is my, my cousin was a flight attendant on a long-haul flight, um, which is, long story short, uh, a passenger who would probably never uh, – seen a, um, a a toilet that isn't, uh, you know, dug into the ground. Sure. Was on this flight for the first time, didn't know where to go, <laughs> didn't know that the lid was meant to be there, saw the sink and decided to poop in the sink. Oh, no. That's... This is not a rare occurrence. Oh! Stop it, Casey. Oh, no. I can keep going. <laughs> oh, please. So what sort of disasters have you witnessed in the in the airline toilet? Many. I've had, honestly, and I shit you not, Pun intended. shit on the floor. On the floor? Shit on the floor. Wow. Well, that's just, that's, that is deliberate. That's, that's a statement. That's deliberate. You didn't miss. You deliberately did that. Like, you don't hit turbulence and all of a sudden your poo's on the floor. <laughs> that. that 
in thick bags. They will do that and try and hand it to you. Oh! <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Someone just I have to re- I have to revisit this. Someone poos. Hang on. Someone poos. They have taken a shit in a thick bag and have gone, can you take this for me? That is rancid. That is, I mean, that's as, oh, that is as fuckwitty thing as I've ever heard on a plane. And it's not, yeah, that's, that's a bad day at the office. Oh, my God. That's not a cultural ignorance thing as well. That's just someone oh, no. who's entitled. That is some sick motherfucker passing oh. shit around. Oh, no. Oh, my that is not God. A, what about? And urine you, in water bottles. Oh, urine in water You'll bottles. And you think it's apple juice and then you go, oh, no, why is this warm? Oh, shit. So hang on. Wait, wait. So they were just too lazy to get out and pee or they just didn't know? What's the story there? I don't know. I have never asked. Okay. okay. Instead, yeah. I've kind of just scrunched my face off. Oh, and gone. <laughs> shit. Oh, my God. Okay. That's, maybe. Okay. So other, so people have pooed on the floor. People have pooed in the sick bag and handed it to you. This is all, all qualifies as fuck with behavior, by the way. People have weed into water bottles. And I imagine you would have found some horrific wee-based mess in toilets as well. Oh, absolutely. It's like someone's trying to play with a hose. Yeah. It'll be everywhere. Could that be a child? Like you're trying to like position the child to pee there and then they just fucking go off. But it's still your responsibility to I, clean up, I reckon. I that's... think that's a drunk person who doesn't care. Oh, okay. Or somebody who's just... A... Yeah, it could be a bubbling. child, but it also could be a grown-ass man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. who's? I mean, we've got bad aim at the best of times. True, if true. You, if you Especially a, if there's turbulence. If you hit a bit of turbulence. And you're drunk. I, I said to someone once, I said, yeah, but it's really hard as a bloke weeing on a plane because, you know, you've, you're aiming and you might hit a bit of turbulence. And they said to me, and this was such a revelation, they said, you realise you can sit down I, too. I was going to say, I was about and to I, say. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. I, I can sit down and have a wee on a plane. I, I sit down all the time now. The only issue yeah. with sitting down is because, uh, A, the aim is great. But my problem is my this is going into a different direction, but my, my bum thinks it's poo time and then starts flexing and getting ready. I'm like, no, 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 we're only here for number one. It's like, nah, man, you got some leftover. Here you go. <laughs> So it just gets confused. It's not used to having that issue. Your bum's always been an Look, independent Look, when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what about other bodily fluids? Sorry, I, I realised I said one last question, but, you know, there's another big one. The, well, my, my high club, have you busted people having sex on planes? Look, in my years of service, I actually haven't caught anyone trying to do the Mile High Club in the lavatory thing. But let me give you some advice to anyone who may be considering trying to get lucky. Yep. One, the lavatory is so fucking small. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm I'm smaller, so it's fine. Look, if you can somehow manage to work away and get it in, good on you. Yeah. But number two, that place is so filthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part so, that bums me out. So I would filthy. Say. It's, it's. Why would you want to do that? It's pretty gross. Exactly. But I will. I mean, the business you, class toilets I, are immaculate. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. They're pretty good, actually. I yeah, will but, tell you, you, though, I have caught someone given a little handy. Oh, 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 oh in, in the, the seats. In, in their seats. Did in you? Well, how do you approach that? Well, this was also on a red eye. So they, I'm assuming these passengers thought, oh, the flight attendant's not going to say it. it's pitch black. But yep. we walk through the cabin with torches and we can see that blanket going <laughs> up and down with your fist. Right. So what, what do you, when you catch someone, what do you say? So I guess you could call me a little bit of a dick, but I kind of flash the light in their eyes and I say, you might want to stop that right now, otherwise this will need to be escalated further. Oh, wow. He's like, well, I'm nearly escalating to the top, mate. Just give me two more minutes. (laughs) Yeah, this time they kind of just looked at me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, we were almost done. And I go, we were almost done. No, we have an hour and 30 minutes till landing. I think you can keep it in your pants. Yeah. I think you can wait until then. Uh, They do say attend to yourself first before attending to anyone else. So... Hey, what about have you? What about people picking up on planes? Because, you know, a lot of boozing, let's say Perth to Bali. 
<laughs> have you seen people just sort of, you know, passion on on the plane? Yes. <laughs> well, well, a follow-up question or a connected question, how about you, Casey? I mean, you know, you, you, there might have been a time where you were a single, but maybe not, whatever, but did things get a little, <laughs> little, uh, little bit more passionate in the galley? Um, have never myself right. gotten right. passionate in the galley. I've, you know, it's nice to receive a number or have someone flirt with you. Ooh, um, okay. You know, that's a little bit cute and gives you a bit of a confidence boost. But no, I've never been one to try and give a little sneaky peck to someone in the galley. Well, what about other attendants? Like, is there stories of people going, oh, I was with my boyfriend, uh, we're both working and, then, you know, it was a red eye? I. <laughs> oh, that's a yes. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. I hope I don't get sued for this. Um, look, there's some charters that we operate, and it may be a Southern Lights charter, an Antarctica charter, a New Year's charter, whatever. And they can get a bit howdy, howdy, let's get rowdy. Um, (laughs) And on this particular flight, we actually had two uh, flight attendants who had just met on this day and they somehow just fell in love and were just passion in the galley, and I honestly don't know how they didn't get in trouble. Yeah, no, right. Well, Maybe it's it was... a party flight to the Antarctica, I think. <laughs> what happens in the it's South Pole not... stays in the South Pole, I believe, is the, is the, is the rule there. Wow. Um, yeah. What about, so is that, how often would that happen, Casey, where a flight attendant receives a phone number written on a boarding pass or wherever? Uh... From personal experience, I think I've maybe gotten maybe five, five Did you, over and, the six years. And at the risk of, you know, getting personal, do you ever ring follow or up. text the number, ever follow up? I did once. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How did it go? Was it all right? Uh, was it a weird um, thing to catch up with it someone? It was really bizarre. Uh, we ended up meeting up for a coffee and – we just got talking and I was like, no, nah, you are not the person I really want to be spending my time with. So, oh, wow. <laughs> Right, okay. But you put yourself hey, out there, good on you. Is there, can you confirm or deny, Casey, is there a passenger on every plane that's known as Bob? Bob, <laughs> Bob standing so, for um, best on board. You know about our best on board. Oh, I've you unlock something. I've heard a whisper that flight attendant will turn to another flight attendant and say, oh, I see the Bob sitting in 16F. Right. Well, look, <laughs> one of the things we used to do, you know, we need to keep ourselves entertained. Sometimes we're doing four-sector long days and we just need something to keep us going. Mm. So, after completion of the safety demo, when we're walking through, when we're completing our quotation marks checks, yes, we're doing those as well, but we're also catching the eye candy. And we'll get right. to the back and turn around to our other colleague and say, oh, my God, 16 Delta, have a look when we get up. He <laughs> is Mm. Oh, wow. See, nice. now my competitive side has gone up. But I'm like, how do I be the Bob on every flight? I want to be Bob. Yeah. At least once. I want one Bob. Uh, now, Casey, we have to let you go shortly. So I'll just quickly bang through a few more topics and get a reaction or a bit of guidance from you. People get very annoyed when they see babies on planes. Now that I've travelled with a child, I'm very sympathetic to babies on planes. Have you seen fights erupt around crying babies? Yes, 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 yes. And unfortunately, you feel so bad for the parent because in a lot of cases, they have no idea what the fuck to do and they're trying so hard to do everything they can to just calm poor little one down, but then you'll have asshole passengers Mm. yell at them. They'll be like, can you tell that kid to shut the fuck up? Oh, It's awful. But then there's also the parent that just allows it to happen and they do sweet fuck all about it too. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's a very tricky one. Often with kids it's the the pressure in the ears that will get them on the way up and the way down. Right. And because they don't know what's happening, they're just confused. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, All right, let's bang through a few more. Uh, What about – this is a pet hate of mine, but maybe it's not an issue. (laughs) 
I hate bare feet on planes. Oh, <laughs> it is so disgusting. Please cover your toes. Mm. We don't want to see it. But also the floors are so filthy. Like they do is get it... cleaned, but they're so filthy. <laughs> hey, what about yeah. socks? Is socks okay? Because I sometimes go down to socks. Mm. Yeah, I'd say socks are okay. I mean, in business, we give out socks as a part of your amenity kit. So I see no issue. I've done it myself, but we do not want to see your crusty toes and your unclipped toenails. I get a pedicure every <laughs> oh, three weeks, yeah. mate. You've got good-looking toes still, i, I got to say. Thank you. Uh, what, <laughs> what about people who want to swap seats? So there's a story Today, just, yeah. just this week out yeah, of the UK where a guy says, and I'm quoting, he says, my wife and I were travelling on a 10-hour flight from Europe to Asia last week. We booked our tickets in advance for extra leg room. We were sitting on the window on the aisle. We get on the plane. There's a lady with a baby in between us, and she says, my husband is sitting behind, and I want him to help with the baby. Can you swap seats with my husband? Now that, So that would be pushing. The bloke would have to give up his leg room yep. to mm. let... The husband sit. It's a tricky one, that one. But oh, I'm not kind for of me. Sy- I'm kind of sympathetic to the guy. <laughs> not for me. Who's booked the legroom. <laughs> I'm with the legroom guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I don't have kids. Maybe that's showing my uh, yeah. bias, right? But at the same time, I fucking plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you, what are your onboard rules around people who want to change seats? Um, onboard rules, we always want you to try and consult with us first because we, we see everyone. We know exactly where you're seated. We know if there's any medical things that may need attention. We know if if you've got your special meal. Yeah. So, I mean, if in this situation, because they're only a row apart, if they're able to sort it out between themselves, amazing. Otherwise, You'd probably want the parent to come talk to us, crew, because there may be two spare seats somewhere else yeah. where we can squeeze them together, and then we don't need to but impact people. But then she loses the her leg room. Yeah. yeah, well, too, you know, she should have figured that out earlier. And I, I, I have swapped in the past, by the way. If it's like a, um, I can clearly see that I, I'm not giving up too much or whatever. I, I swapped just last week. Yeah. I, just a, a lady next to me said, "My husband's sitting over there. Can you swap with him?" And I oh, said, you are sure. Such so, a fine gentleman. I, well, I had to move from uh, 1F to 1B. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so it was, it, it was fine. <laughs> that Rex flight is really yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple more very quick ones. Um, uh, stand, oh, how many times is a passenger allowed to hit the flight attendant button? Ooh. And make you come to the row and let the passenger have some ridiculous order um, before. How many times until that gets annoying? Preferably, um, we don't want you to touch it at all. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I think, you know, a few times, especially if it's a long flight, completely understandable. You want a drink, you're a little bit nibbly, need help with something. Sure. If I'm going to deliver your scotch on the rocks and then two minutes later you're going to ding me again to bring mm, another one yeah. and keep repeatedly doing this, I'm going to get a little bit pissed. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think, again, basic basic decency. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Don't. Yeah, don't. just common courtesy, you know. And, uh, and what about the food when the food comes out? Am I allowed to uh, – how many servings can I ask for? I finish my meal. Can I, can I have seconds, please? Is that acceptable or is that annoying? Um, no, it is acceptable. We'd want you to wait until the service is finished because we don't know if we have any spare meals until we're completely done. Yes. And if I was to give you a second meal, there's a good chance that we've been loaded exactly the passenger number and then right. someone else is going to miss out and I'm going to be torn to pieces. Right. So... If we have anything left over, we'd love to give you some more food, but just wait until the end. Have you caught people smoking on planes? Yes, I have once. Yeah. Um, and they act like 
they have not done anything. But let me tell you, that cute little smoke detector that's sitting above your head that you may or may not have tried to cover with wet tissues, she is going to sing so high pitch, just like me, after a few too many wines. Yeah. And we will greet you. We will rip that door open, hold in a fire extinguisher and go in, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, right, okay. So, yeah. And it won't just be one of us. There will be 10 of your crew waiting to embarrass the shit out of you. Okay, don't don't smoke on a plane. That's <laughs> the that's the Yeah, don't there. smoke on a plane. I was on an Air India <laughs> flight once and there were two dudes up the back just smoking and ashing into a cup of water. Not oh, even in the oh toilet. Oh, my gosh. And the flight, attendant said, the flight attendant said you're not allowed to smoke on the plane and they went, yeah, well, we're going to. And then the flight attendant just went, no, okay. And, wow. walk, and walked off. Oh, my god! There were people standing up the back smoking on most of that flight. <laughs> and the that flight attendants were just, insane. they were just kind of absorbing the misbehaviour, I guess. Yeah, and, well, after a certain point, you're like, all right, this guy looks scary. I can't, I'm, um, my, my, I'm not getting paid enough to yeah, do, yeah, to yeah. do this. Casey, it has been a joy chatting with you. It's a, airline travel is a tricky one because I imagine just – the numbers suggest that there would be fuckwits on every flight. So we encourage those people <laughs> to listen to the guidelines we've laid out yeah. here today and uh, just no, no hand jobs, <laughs> poo in the toilet. Please. <laughs> and keep it nice. And okay? don't recline your seat and until the meal is over. Don't so recline your seat into a red wine. Even if, even if you're getting a hand job, please don't <laughs> recline the seat. And don't ask the flight attendant to put a suitcase in the overhead locker. Uh, uh, Casey, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. No, thank you so much. And please, guys, if you're listening, just don't be a fuckwit. <laughs> well done. Well done. It's good advice. Thanks, Casey. Delarook Jaya Senior, thank you so much for My walking through pleasure. the world of fuckwits with me. Uh, what are you doing at the moment? What can we plug for you? Uh, depending on, I mean, I suppose it's not sure when this comes up, but so start with my Instagram, Dilrook J yes. at, uh, on Instagram and uh, on Facebook as well, I think. But um, otherwise, my uh, Amazon Prime comedy special is still out. It's called Bundle of Joy. Give that a watch. Always uh, helpful to get listeners from there. Mm. Listeners, good viewers. Yeah, yeah, good viewers and listeners. You can both view it and listen to it. True. Uh, Dill, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. If you enjoyed the pod, please write a review and rate it five stars. That would be amazing. Thank you. And tell a friend and get them to listen as well. And remember, don't be a fuckwit.